0: word before we get started, and that's the word kabod, K-A-B-O-D, and Hebrew speakers couldn't tell the difference between B and B, e. so sometimes they say kabod, sometimes they say kabod, but in any case, we translate it glory, but the actual feel of the word is heaviness, a heavy glory, and I just felt that as Jim was leading us in worship today. Just called as sort of heavy glory, not heavy in the negative sense, heavy in the sixty sense, like heavy. You know, just, just, uh, uh, but there was a heavy presence of God in here just now, and uh, it happens when we're together, and our hearts sort of generate that. And the Lord is there in our praises; He inhabits the praises of His people, and He was, He's been present with us here today. So today we're looking at a brand-new sermon series called Below the Waterline, The Deeper Story of You. I'd like you to repeat a phrase from the Bible after I say it. Deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. And there are stories we might have learned as children, Sunday school stories like Cain and Abel. And Jan, our worship leader this morning, was saying, Sometimes when we learn these things as kids, they stay cartoons for us, and we forget that there's depth to these stories. There's a reason they're in the Bible. And much like the picture up on the screen, there's an iceberg there, and 90% of icebergs are below the waterline. Just like this story, just like Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, 90% of the story is below the waterline. And probably more than that is true for us. About 90, 95% of us is unconscious. Carolyn Kirby's over here. She's a small person. I'm not picking on you, Carolyn, but uh, Carolyn is really big on the inside, and all of us are bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. Wendy and I, when we are out at our place in the desert, whenever we have a bathroom break in the middle of the night, not together or anything, but just whatever one of us does, we we always make a point of. Using the bathroom, but then going outside real quick because at night the stars in the desert, the Milky Way is just across the sky. And you have more synapses in your brain than all the stars and all the galaxies in the sky. You're way bigger on the inside than the universe is on the outside. We are precious and made in the image of God. And that's like what Jen was saying. It's so tragic when people take their lives because that gets you raised, at least in this world. And when we gather here, you bring all that greatness with you. It's fun to see your presence here. So there's a lot of depths to you, and there's a lot of depth to these stories. So I'm trying to connect the deeper parts of these stories to the deeper part of you. Today is going to be Cain and Abel. Next week is going to be the flood. We're going to talk about envy, because envy and coveting happen in this story. If you've ever memorized the Ten Commandments, The last one has to do with coveting. And by that time, we just sort of skateboard over it. We think the important ones are at the beginning and the less important ones are at the end. But the bookends of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods, and you shall not covet, are arguably the two most important. Because coveting, wanting something, fixating on something that is not God, that we don't have, is the root of virtually every other problem we have. Who thinks that's a problem in our world right now? People, A lot of anger, a lot of frustration, people focusing on what everybody else has, and there's all this stuff going on. I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a spiritual statement. There's a lot of just crabbiness and anger out there right now. And a lot of that goes back to coveting. Now, Cain coveted Abel's favor with God. And it's so easy to do that. And it triggers so many other things. So we'll look at that. And also we're going to talk about sacrifice because Cain and Abel is a story about Old Testament sacrifices. And people have asked me, well, why did we stop doing that? Uh, Jewish people used to sacrifice. Well, first of all, there's no temple and there's no tabernacle. There's no place to do it. And second of all, Hebrews says no more animal sacrifices. But why did God want them in the first place? Why did, why did God want people to, uh, command them to offer sacrifices? Why would he do it? Does he need them somehow? Is, is he, uh, uh, does he need the attention? Does he need the focus? What's, what's the deal? We're going to talk about sacrifices and why God puts sacrifices in the Bible and what it has to do with you. It has a lot to do with you and me. So let's look at the story. Genesis 4, 1 through 16. Now Adam had relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Because Cain in Hebrew, Hagin, has to do with uh, the verb to receive or to obtain or to get. Kind of like naming your kid, got it, finally. You know? Here's my kid, got it. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel, in Hebrew, Hebel, or breath. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. Now, keep this straight, because even in our firm meeting, we got that goofed up a little bit. We keep forgetting which one was the farmer and which one was the rancher. Abel was the rancher, and Cain was the farmer, the tiller of the soil. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops As a gift to the Lord, as an offering, as a sacrifice. Remember, I told you we're going to talk about sacrifice. Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of his firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, does the Bible say why he didn't receive it? It doesn't, and there's a reason for that, too. We're going to look at that. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Why are you mad at me? You'll be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, once again, he's not saying what's right. That's on purpose. The Bible, every word's on purpose. Then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. We must take all things captive. And for all of us, evil and bad stuff is crouching at the door. People think, oh, I could never do something evil. But in the right situation, with the right pressure around you, it's amazing what we're capable of. We're capable of all kinds of terrible things. Wendy and I lived in Germany with some wonderful people. And they are still, to this day, wondering what happened back in the 1930s and 40s. How is it that we started doing regular people Started gassing Jews. I'm not talking just, you know, axe murders. I'm talking about regular people started flipping switches and doing these things. We're capable of all kinds of stuff. Sin is always sort of crouching at the door, especially times of unrest. Who thinks people have destroyed property and other things right now that never would have done that a few months ago? But in the right situation, in the right crowd, who knows what could happen? And so we have to watch that. We have to watch and guard ourselves against that. Verse 8. Right. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now, Cain was the older brother. Cain was the one with privilege. We've heard a lot about privilege in the last few months. And it's easy when you have privilege, and we all have privilege in one way or another. Just living where we live in Orange County, we're at the top of the world's food chain, for goodness sake. we've, we've, We've all got privilege of some kind or another. And Cain is squandering that. And we're going to talk about what that means, too. Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Am I my brother's keeper? And this is why, people, we need to study the Bible in school. We just do. Unless you know phrases like this, you're not educated. Am I my brother's keeper? This this is just part of our cultural language. This is a meme that people should know. Am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. Okay. How many of you want to live under the curse? How many of you want to live under the blessing? This is a story where we get a choice whether we want to live under the blessing or live under the curse, because we really have that choice many times a day. Are we going to take the last train to Curseville, or are we going to go in the direction of Blessing Town? And we constantly get that choice, and these ancient stories tell us how to make the right decisions, because you're going to be making them this afternoon, and so am I. And the more we're into these stories and let these stories sort of sink into that part of us below the waterline, the more we're going to choose the train to Blessing Town and less we're going to choose the train to Curseville. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. And we've all been in that situation from time to time where we work our tail off for nothing. And we're living in a curse situation. And we need to shift something. If we're working really hard and nothing's happening, it's time to re-examine what it is we're working on. And to move on to something else. When the horse is dead, dismount. Go do something else, and change what we're focusing on. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And this is a worse punishment than death, by the way, because at least death is quick. Have you heard people say that? There's people who've asked for the death penalty rather than life in prison, because of it's yeah, for obvious reasons. I always wanted the spanking from my parents rather than the grounding because it was over quickly. Mm-hmm. it's over, right? I'll take this banking. Don't ground me, please. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me because this was back in the days of revenge. There was no cops back then. Remember the cities are refuge in the Old Testament. You had to run somewhere because the family would come get you. The family were the cops. If you did something to them, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, they come back after you. The clan will get you. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. And the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Once again, you can't read Steinbeck without running into Bible stuff. And so I really believe that all people growing up in America need to learn the Bible. It's, it should be something Something is just part of our our literary heritage, even in public schools, for goodness sake. So go to the next slide. Go ahead and go to that. Cain was the first fully human being. You may say, well, no, that was Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve popped into this world as grown-ups. Cain was the first human with a belly button. Think about that. Cain was the first... Human to experience childhood. Adam and Eve came into this world fully developed. If they hadn't, they wouldn't have lasted long in the garden. Can you imagine toddlers running around the garden trying to? You know, no, I can't. It's humans need a lot of help as they're growing up. And so Cain, in some ways, was the first fully human life. And this is a big, big deal. And he was the firstborn to Adam and Eve, so he had all the privileges that come with that. Also. Bible is full of people. Who here has been in a band? Anybody here been in band in high school? There's first chair, second chair, and all that kind of stuff. And the first chair person is the person with privilege, Cain. And very often, it's in the Bible, the second chair person is the one who comes out on top. Very often, Abel and Cain, Moses and Aaron, Jacob and Esau. Leah and Rachel, Rachel was the favorite, but Leah was the one through whom Jesus' lineage went. Often through the second most important. When I was young, this is back in the sixties, there was an advertising campaign for Avis Renacar. And it was always Avis is only number two in Rent A cars, so we try harder. And number two people often get more focused. Abel was number two and he had to work on it to try to make things work. This is a common theme in the Bible. If you were born, or find yourself now in a less privileged situation, there's a very good chance that you could come out on top, because people can sit on their laurels when they're on top, and people who are have to fight their way up often have to work a lot harder. And so Abel was one of those. Moses was one of those. Jacob was one of those. Leah was definitely not the favorite of of uh, of. Uh, so let's go to the next uh, next slide here. What's wrong with the grain offering? The truth is, we don't know why God didn't like Cain's offering, and that's on purpose. I've read all kinds of rabbi commentaries on this passage, and the rabbis have commented books on this passage. And there's a consensus that it's on purpose that we don't know exactly what Cain did wrong. Why? Because if we knew what it was, we would just avoid that one thing, and then we think, well, now we're like Abel. Humans have a tendency to just want legalism. If we just get all the rules, we'll avoid these bad things and do these good things. Even Jesus asks, you know, the guy asks him, what should I do to be saved? He, well, what about the commandments? Well, I've done all these things. But was that good enough? No, that wasn't good right enough because Jesus wanted to your heart in the right place. All we know is that in the relationship between God and Cain, there was something amiss. And it's purposely not told what it is because we're supposed to insert ourselves in the story. And we're supposed to get a little bit nervous reading this. Is there something about our life that is a little out of sync with God? And God has the right not to be happy with our what we're doing. God forbid we could all go out right now, and this afternoon, each one of us could commit a felony. That would be no way, shape, or form God's will. We could all do it. We can't expect God to like everything we do. Does the blood of Jesus cover everything that we do? Is there grace? Sure there is, but God doesn't like everything we do. And sometimes we make decisions that aren't in our best interest or the best interest of people around us and aren't what God would have us do. And this is left uh, purposely ambiguous so that we have to kind of sweat it out a little bit and think, okay, how is my relationship with my creator, really? Am I resting on what I've done in the past? Am I just coasting? Have I asked him today what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing it in the way he would ask me to do it? And he's not asking for perfection. He's asking for connection. Do you understand the difference? Who thinks God would be happier with us if we tried to do what he asked us to do and failed rather than just skateboarding over it? God is fine with failure as long as we give it a shot. In fact, failure is the best way to learn. Sometimes God puts us in situations where we will fail. Why? Who's learned here more from failure than from success? Absolutely. And so God's asking not for perfection here, but for connection. Did you ask me before you brought this offering here? Is this what I wanted? Did you? Who here has given a present to somebody and it wasn't what they wanted? First half of our marriage, I was terrible at giving presents to Wendy, and then I started asking her what kind of things do you want. It helps a lot. It helps a lot because I just uh, I was it, my heart was in it, but I wasn't giving her what she was asking for, and for God wasn't. There's nothing sinful about a grain offering. So there must have been something different about that. So there's nothing wrong with it. Could be that Cain was just going through the motions. This is the most, I heard about this uh, gravestone. I had to make this up for a slide. But I heard about this gravestone, which is somewhere. And it says, went through the motions, wasn't happy about it. Can you imagine a more tragic thing on your gravestone? Went through the motions, but wasn't happy about it. Who knows, gobs of people like that. I do. I know people who are, you know, getting their taxes paid, you know, getting their mortgage paid, doing their thing, showing up at work, raising their kids. And, oh, I hope I can retire someday because I hate my life. You know that kind of thing. And they're going through the motions, not happy about it. And it could be—I don't know this—but it could be that Cain was just going through the motions and not happy about it. God wants an offering, so he brings an offering. And God has a right not to be happy with what we do. And sometimes he's not happy with what I do. And very often it's because I haven't bothered to ask what he wants. I haven't bothered to ask what it is that he wants. Hebrews 11.4 It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Now here's a clue. That somehow it was through faith he was doing this. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So he was doing something in faith. You know that. So I'm going to close with this, invite Tamara to come up here and do the announcements and communion. You want to kind of get that ready. But there's one more point I want to make, and this is something you probably haven't thought of, because I didn't think about it until our men's group. And John was a part of that study, and some of the rest of you were part of that study, and it was a really strong men's study last week when we looked at this. And why did God want sacrifice? Here's what I think. I think God wanted sacrifice because he knows it's good for us, not that he needs it. Do you understand the big difference? It's good for us to sacrifice, not that he needs it. Giving up what is extremely valuable to us can help us see something more valuable. You could give up the first fruits of everything, just like Abel did. You could copy him. You could copy him to exactly what he did. But if it's not valuable to you, it doesn't matter. It's in giving up something valuable that we clear our desks and clear our calendars and invite God to tell us what to do with our life. And God knows that if we bring our first fruits, by first fruits, it doesn't necessarily mean this or that. By first fruits, by giving offering. And in our culture, a lot of that's money, isn't it? Money is something people put a lot of work into and a lot of focus into. And giving of that to God's work or to charity or to other people is good for us because it clears the deck and opens us up to ask God, what is it that you want me to be, to be focusing on if it's not my Who thinks people in this country occasionally focus on money? We do, and it gets to be an obsession in our culture. I once talked to a pastor from Haiti, and I said, well, down in Haiti, don't you guys have a lot of voodoo? He says, nothing like the voodoo in North America. He says, the voodoo in North America is all focused on obsession with money. Now, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with having abundance if your heart's in the right place. But if you get there by being obsessed with it, God is not really a part of your life. And if that one thing in your life that you love and care for, even family can get in the way. I'm not saying don't love your family. We're supposed to honor our father and mother. We're supposed to love our wives and wives. are supposed to love our husbands and all that stuff. We're supposed to love our children. Children are supposed to respect their parents. We're supposed to have good relationships. But who thinks we can put that even ahead of God? Jesus says, unless you even turn your back on that stuff and put God first, you're going to miss something. Even family can become an idol. Good things can become an idol. And it's giving up those things that are most important in our lives that opens up a whole new world for us. I'm going to close with one example. Wendy and I lived in Minnesota. And we had something called the plan. The plan had four parts. Wendy worked for the airlines, and I wanted to make sure that she made it all the way to retirement because then she could retire with full flight benefits and we could
1: fly anywhere forever.
0: Part two. I was an associate pastor like Pastor Tamra. I loved being an associate pastor. You never have to raise money, you get none of the nasty letters, you it's 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 a great gig. You get to go on, on on retreats with the youth. You get to it's it's fun. All of the fun, none of the responsibility. And I told myself I'm never going to be a senior pastor. Third part of the plan, our son Lars went to the Lakeville Public Schools, which were like palaces, and most of the teachers were Christians, and the superintendent was a member of our church. And every year he called me up and said, Let's put your calendar together with our sports calendar so we don't conflict with your youth activities. We could pray with our teachers at those public schools. We could pray with our teachers when we had the parent student thing. Lars is going to graduate from Lakeville Public Schools. And fourth of all, we're going to pay off our $110,000 house because we were close. Out off the house Lars graduates when he gets flight benefits i stay in associate pastor role forever this is the plan Ann kramer knows something about cleansing seminar cleansing screen and if you haven't been on it you need to it's quite a it changed my life there was a lesson called consecration and at our table at our table Around the group saying, you know, how much of your life to you give over to the Lord? I'd like to get a B plus in this one because I'm a pastor. Of course, I've given a lot to the Lord. And it came around to me, and the Lord said to me before I spoke, Have you ever asked me about the plan? When well, did I pray for a lot of stuff? We never prayed over that. That was just what we wanted to do. Folks, 80% of my energy went into the plan in life. 80%. Was it a bad plan? No. But 80% of my life energy went into making that plan work. And God spoke to me before I spoke. He says, would you be willing to put the plan on the altar? Well, you know, like Abraham and Isaac, if I get it back, I'll do it. And God said, that's not how this works. Are you willing to... So I put it on the altar, but I hung on to it on the altar. You can unwrap your fingers now, God said, because if you don't, it doesn't count. I said, are you serious? People ask everyone me how I came to California, and this is it. This is it. Um, I had somebody call me up and said, uh, um, would you be interested in coming to California? Something i never met before. And I said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not open to anything like that right now because I've got this plan. And he said to me, do you think that's spiritually healthy? This was right after Clinton. I think that's spiritually healthy. A few weeks later, my son was in the California public schools. Wendy lost all of her seniority, never went back to the airlines. I've been a senior pastor ever since. And at that moment, we had a $500,000 mortgage.
1: got blown to
0: smithereens, smithereens. And it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm sure I would not be the person I am now if this had not happened. And I'm so blessed to be here with you folks and blessed to have grown in ways that were much more challenging. I was coasting. I was coasting in my 40 years old I was coasting. And I would have kept coasting. I think of the life I've got now I wouldn't trade it for anything But I wouldn't have had it had I hung on to the plan and my question to you is what part of your plan have you not asked God about and are you willing
1: to put it on the altar let's pray
0: Lord, we give you thanks for this story. It's a story about the deeper part of us. The little decisions that turn out to be the big decisions. We can see a little bit of Cain and a little bit of Abel in each of us. And Lord, none of us wants to live under the curse. We want to live under blessing. And Lord, whatever it is that's keeping us from living in your presence and living in your fullness and living in the big blessing, we just ask, Lord, that you give us the courage to put it on the altar. Because each of us has a limited amount of time left in this world. And we want to live every single one of those days under the blessing. And pray this in Jesus'
1: name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell the other side of the story because I was part of this, this story. Um, I was on the call committee. We were looking for a new senior pastor. We were still at Grace. This church had not even been thought of. And when we started talking to Wendy and House, Um, We heard that part of the story where he said, no, 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 no. And the bishop of the Lutheran church at that time said, is that spiritually healthy? So that part is very true. And so we we talked to him over the phone. We had them come out and visit with us. And so when we went to gather for prayer, we had interviewed quite a few people. And we started praying, and we knew that house was supposed to be at grace. And so... We put a call out and unbeknownst to us, because he told us this is that he made a bargain with God about coming to California. And so that bargain was we had to have a unanimous vote within our call committee. Now, if you knew our call committee, none of us agreed on anything. He knew that. And he thought there is no chance We will ever get a unanimous vote on this. I never thought we would. I mean, all of us were so, I don't think anybody else was in that call committee in this group. Um, Our group was so, so different. I can't even explain how we even got along, let alone came to a unanimous vote. But when we voted, it was a unanimous vote. So we called them up, we put them on speakerphone, and I'm like, how are you doing blah 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 we voted he's like okay it was a unanimous vote we want to call you as our senior pastor complete silence on the phone complete silence we're like are you there and he was like uh, yeah yeah okay and I think you said you were going to pray about it still he's going to pray about it and then he's like okay put it to a vote because you have to have the congregational vote as well And so we put it to a vote, and um, it was it was like four hundred and something to like two that called him. It was crazy, because he's like, okay, and I I think you even said in your head, you're going, okay, if it's not at least sixty percent of the of the congregation, I'm not going. Well, it was like ninety eight percent of the congregation said yes, and so when God has a plan for you. No matter all the little roadblocks you put in front of him, he's going to buy, he's going to smash them. He does every single time. So I always laugh when he tells that story because, you know, on, on my end, being on the call committee, it was just funny because we knew exactly what God wanted because we were steeped in prayer the whole time. We had our congregation praying for us the whole time. And it was just one after another. We knew the ones that weren't supposed to be there. And, but when we interviewed, house it was like there was something there that we saw spirit wise that we said we need to have that at our church and so how many years later many a long long 18 years 18 years wow 18 years house has been here and um continuing to see God's grow in house and Wendy in their relationship and even in Lars um and what God's doing with them and how blowing up a plan can be awesome. And when I was sitting down there, I was, God said, so what plans have you not asked me about? I went, shoot, I got convicted. I don't know about you guys, but I got convicted that there are a few things that I've been like chugging along, and they're not going really well because I haven't asked him. And so I encourage you guys all to just start really praying and asking God what plan is in your life that you haven't brought before him because he'll probably blow it out of the water and change it. And that's probably why I haven't asked him because I know that. But um, I'm going to go forward and let's blow up some plans this week, right? Are you with me? Blow up the plans, Lord. Woo! All right, let's go on. Um, We want to get to know you. There are connection cards. Oh, good. It was the right slide. Um, There are connection cards on your, on your, um, I was going to say your tables, your chairs. Uh, Please fill those out. And we don't have, you're going to have to bring your own pens because, you know, we're trying to be good about keeping distancing and stuff. So fill those out. Um, And then, of course, the backside is the most important. We want to be able to pray for you. And so I'm going to give you an update. Go ahead. I want to show you how important prayer is. This is Mila. Do you guys remember Mila? She was born just shy of 26 weeks. She was considered a micro and um, given very, I mean, like, less than 5% chance of living, of surviving. Now, if you don't know, Mila is my cousin's granddaughter, so I don't know what that is. Third cousin once removed, second cousin once removed something. I don't know. so she's my cousin down the road, and they live in Montana, and so when Mila was born, my cousin reached out to me. She was less than um, I don't know why that three pounds and seven pounds is for the next slide. I don't know why it showed up there. Um, she was born at less than a pound. She was like 13 ounces, um, given very little chance to live. And then we started praying. And I think I told my cousin that our church claimed her as our miracle baby because we were going to pray her into life. And so we continued to pray. And go ahead in the next slides. And we kept getting updates. So the one on the one side is three pounds. Maybe one of my pictures didn't show up because this was 13 seven pounds, I think, or 13 pounds. So she kept growing and we kept praying and we would have setbacks. I can't tell you how many times I would get a text saying she's on the brink. We need to pray in heaven, storm heaven's greats. And I would put it on our prayer request, online prayer request, and we would start praying. And just they would be intubating her. They would be um, shocking her little heart. And she would fight back. And we did this over and over and so then we got to, this is 13 pounds. Look how cute she got to be. All right, next slide. And here she is. She just had her second birthday. Woo-hoo-hoo. And I'm going to tell you, the pandemic's been really good for her because she's got siblings, and they're not in school, bringing home all the germs. Because in January, she was, again, really sick with pneumonia, her lungs weren't developed very much Um, so her second birthday we never thought she would make it past the first week and we had people praying not just our church but around this country praying and praying for life into her and she is a fighter she fights like no other and she is the happiest baby ever she always has a smile on her face Even when she's hooked up to machines and in the hospital sick, her mama will take a picture of her and she's got that big smile, just this big smile on her face. And so I think it was Thursday was her birthday. And I saw this picture and I just cried because I thought, that's our little Mila who wasn't supposed to survive. And this is what God can do through your prayers. So fill out those stinking prayer requests and get your prayers in because there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too big. Nothing too small, nothing too big for God. And you're thinking, oh, my prayer request is so small compared to this. No, not to God. It's huge. He wants to be able to answer your prayers, but he can't answer them unless we ask. So fill in those prayer requests. But I did want to give you an update on Mila because she is our miracle baby. We have prayed her into life and living and really thriving at this point. So thank you, Pandemic, for that. You know, one thing was good out of the Pandemic. All right, next slide. Um, Alpha is going to be restarting on July 15th. You can join us on Zoom Wednesdays at 6 p.m. And you can um, email House at hbhouse, H-O-U-S, at gmail.com to register. So that'll be coming up no matter where you are on the world, all of your Facebook people, doesn't matter where, where you are in the world, you can still join us for Alpha. And so if you have questions, email House and he will answer those. Next one. Teacher training is continuing on Sundays. Um, Tonight is 4 p.m. and uh, Zoom. And topic is church leadership. And I, I shortened yours. Changing through the centuries. Leadership continually changes. And in this time and day and age and everything that's going on, our leadership needs to change yet again. And so we're going to discuss biblically how that can happen. And if you want any information on the Zoom link, contact House at HB House at gmail.com. So here's our no stuff. No teacher training next um, Sunday, July 5th, because it's holiday weekend. It'll resume on July 12th with how the how-tos of prayer ministry and some practicalities to help you in your prayer to do prayer ministry. It'll be nice when we can start laying on a hands again. I love that part of prayer ministry. Um, and again, no open house on July 4th. They're not having a funky thing with the parade. They're not really having a parade because they don't want the crowds. And so they're doing little weird things. So there's no open house this year at House's House. House's House, house. I know. It's always funny. July prayer cards and daily Bible reading are here. Um, I will post those online July 1st. But anyone here, you've got those. So please join us in prayer. Please continue to join us in daily Bible reading. House does a daily snippet of part of it. And so read it and then find house's um, video on it and you can learn more. But uh, I will post this online starting July 1st. And then on Tuesday, July 7th, there's going to be a new online women's study and Linda Benoy Castillo will be leading this. And all of you know, our little short blonde friend, well not blonde, she's blonde, but her hair color changes often. Um, Red, blue. I think it's red this now. It was blue. It was pink and red. Sometimes it's a multiple colors. Yeah, <laughs> Easter egg colors. You never know. So, anyways, it's called breathe and how to rest and make room for the Sabbath. And I think um, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm Sabbath. You know, I'm really doing the Sabbath. No, we're not. We're still. We're worried. We're busy. We're not really resting into it. I know. I get into that. Um, habit as well and so please join us um, we'll get the zoom link for you if you're on facebook you can find it on our facebook in our facebook group and um, all the information is there Oops, ties and offerings uh, you've got envelopes here for those of you in tv land um, our ties and offerings you can mail checks into the well at Sir city 2721 delaware street huntington beach 92648 you can go online to our website, um, dive deep together.com. You can text Give, 714 694 2787. You can go PayPal. You can go to our Faith Life app. And um, we heard that people are donating through our Faith Life app, so that works really well. You can go to, um, for more ways to give, you can go to um, Malachi 310 Giving, and that'll give you a whole sheet of everything that is available for that. For here, write your checks out to the well um, at Surf City. You can put them in the envelope and then or cash, and then put them in the box along with your connection cards and prayer requests in the box right by the door, and we'll collect those after the service. Next, communion. And this time I remembered to open up the stuff before. Last week I was having difficulties. So if you want to grab your communion cups on the go, um, did you grab one? You got one. Okay, good. Um, communion is a time to to gather together as a faith family to to um, share a meal together. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. He was sharing a meal. They were leaning back at tables and sharing a meal. And during the meal, he picked up the bread and he broke it. My little piece fell already. Broke it. And he says, this is my body. Eat this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and use the liquor. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup of wine, this is my blood poured out for you. Pour it out for you to to rid you of all your sins, to make you white, to cleanse you so that you can live in freedom and victory. And he said, drink this in remembrance of me. I want you guys go ahead and stand up and we'll pray. Why don't we go ahead and do the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day of daily bread. Give us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. It is not in temptation. Deliver us evil. thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Father God, we are just so thankful for Jesus and his sacrifice for each one of us. Lord, um, we just ask now that as we go forward in this week, that you continue to guide and direct us and that we take the time and that we stop, Lord, to not only ask you what you want and what your plan is for our lives, but that we actually stop and listen And then that we obey. Lord, um, so many times you give us small things to accomplish in order for us to be ready to obey the big things. And Lord, I think through this time of um, quarantine and staying at home, you are giving us small tasks to, to be obedient to so that now we are ready for the big things that you have for each one of us. And so, Lord, I just ask now that you continue to prepare us, continue to strengthen us, and to encourage us, so that we can step in faith into that next big thing for each that each that you have planned for each of us. I don't know what that is, Lord, but I can feel it in my bones that this is you've got a fantastic plan for each person here, and that you have been preparing us and readying us for this time. For such a time as this, Lord, we are ready. And we want to be obedient to you, to trust you, and to walk in faith. So Lord, help us to do that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, just bless this week, bless bless us as we walk out these doors. Bless our vocations and our relationships, Lord. Bless our time together with you and our in our quiet time and our daily Bible readings and our prayer time. Lord, for anyone that is suffering and couldn't be here because of illness, Lord, heal them. Lord, we just ask for healing for anyone in this room that may have pain or a diagnosis that um, that is not a good one. Lord, heal them. Lord, for anyone that is watching today, um, may your healing power just kind of come through the screens. And may they touch their, your hand touch them, Lord, healing any depression or hopelessness, healing any pains, any illness, any sickness. Lord, help us to live in freedom and victory. Thank you, Lord, for all that is happening now, for your healing, for your release. Thank you. Lord, big blessings on each person here and each person watching live. Lord, bless their week. Bless their families. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a fantastic week, everybody. We will see you back here. God willing, we will see you back here. And please keep, um, for all the updates, please just keep your eye on Facebook and any emails or letters that we send you. And if we don't have your information, get it to us because that's the only way we can communicate with you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.